all right. Um, so I did that, and um, I was hoping to get a callback for Algernon, and I got a callback for Algernon and Jack, and I was like, awesome. But I honestly, I could have cared less if I auditioned for Jack at all, because I was like, I'm so adamant about Algernon. And I did. I did. I got Algernon. I got the part I wanted. Yeah, and I, personally, I think... I think you're a perfect Algernon. Oh, I think you. I mean, watching you guys rehearse, like, you, you are. <laughs> I mean, like you, you're so funny. Like as Algernon, I mean, I don't know why. Because I mean, I don't want to spoil what role you got first before the before we reveal it on the air. But the roles that you guys got are perfect for your character, like who you are in real life. Oh, thank you. It's absolutely perfect. So, and will you, you next? What was the role that you wanted when you auditioned, and then did you get the role that you wanted? Well, when I first read the script right before auditions there wasn't necessarily a role that jumped out uh, as significantly as ryan and algernon but i enjoyed the role of jack due to the fact that he is trying his hardest to be prim and proper through this entire situation Mm -hmm. that the character goes through throughout the show right and he is just met with hilarious obstacle after hilarious obstacle mainly due to the character of Algernon that Ryan is playing. And so going into auditions, I decided to do a complete 180 on my monologue. I did a comedic Shakespeare monologue, which was extremely a big risk, ultimately, because Shakespeare is Shakespeare. Right, (laughs) yeah. And so, but the reason I did it was is because the monologue I did was a very prim and proper monologue that gets interrupted with a curveball halfway through and i was like that kind of fits the narrative of jack's character mm-hmm. uh and so i was hoping to get a callback for for jack or Elgernon. and when the the callbacks came out i just only was called back for jack so i got a little nervous because mm-hmm. i was like well if i don't get this character i'm not going to get any character right uh but i am very thankful enough that when the cast list arrived uh my name was right next to jack's so Awesome. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, it's funny because, you know, you talking with you guys and realizing that you guys got your dream roles was, <laughs> well, so I was talking with Professor Frances Saxton, and she was saying how, um, she said, I need both Will and Ryan. Like, I, I can't, Aww. like, have anyone else. I have to have the two of them. Like, there, there's no, there's no other combo that can play Will and Ryan. Like that that is it. No one else is getting in. It's just them. Like and if I can't have if I can't have both, then I don't want either because they have to be together. Oh my god. And goodness. it was like it was perfect cuz you know this uh her excitement about it was so funny cuz she's just and uh, cuz I have of course I have an independent study with her this semester. Um we got to our first class, we got to talk about the play and everything. And she was just so excited about you guys working together. Because, I mean, and I know that you guys are, are living together on campus yeah. uh, in the same dorm. So you guys, you're around each other all the time. So you are um, you're a little more used to each other's antics and personalities. And so you guys, I mean, you're the comedic duo. Because not only do you get to spend time with each other, but now you get to transfer that offstage appearance on stage it, it's um i know this is very typical of me because you guys you guys know the kind of person that i am but it reminds me of obi-wan and anakin because <laughs> that's the biggest compliment because <laughs> <laughs> i can die in peace now that, that's the <laughs> ultimate compliment yep. right die in peace because you know um 
Obi-Wan is he's played by the Scottish actor Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, an American actor. And so the two of them, um, the banter in the movies in episode two, episode three, just their personalities together. It's so yeah. funny. It is hearing them go back and forth. And the actors for them in the Clone Wars were James Arnold Taylor and Matt Lanter. And what was funny was at first, you know, they were recording for the Clone Wars and, you know, they would, you know, take five or take 10 and they started entering like a banter thing off, off stage when the mics were off. And Dave Filoni, the director of the show, amazing creator, looked at them. He was like, wait a minute, that's what they need to do on set because that's just like obi-wan and anakin in the movies and so it's like seeing the real life representation of that because you guys spend so much time together off set and now you get to transfer it on stage for everyone to see it is pretty great you know to, to build on that if, if i may yeah it i have felt that as well and i believe uh, ryan has well we've had conversations about this there's times in the rehearsal process where we just ran a scene and uh, uh professor saxon's like let's do that again and mm -hmm. i look at uh ryan looks at me or i look at ryan and one of us goes i'm gonna do something <laughs> go with it yeah and the the one who didn't say that's just kind of like okay cool and so then something either super crazy or just the <laughs> correct amount of crazy that needs to happen ensues on our second run of it and there i think there's several of those that are now solidified in the, in the show yeah. mm -hmm. uh in at least uh, the ones that we've come up with so far. We'll we'll see if that yeah. trend keeps going. But I also like how we can like like uh, if like let's say we do something like really crazy. Let's like oh you know that might be you know something we can play off each other. We play off each other so well. Like we just like we don't know what's coming, but when we when we see it happen, we know exactly what to do. It's so weird. I don't know, but I I like I don't I can't do that with anyone else besides Will. It's like different. I mean, obviously. Like, we've been, you know, we've hung out all the time. We get each other a lot. So I guess that plays a part in it. But I don't know. It's cool how we can, like, do something and totally, like, do exactly what the other person is thinking and totally make everything work. And then Francis is always just like, wow, that was great. What is, let's do that. Put that in your blocking. That's great. You know, awesome. And we're like, cool. And we just, you know, we just do it. I think there was one scene that they were going to give blocking notes for. And then she had us run it one more time through and then I think she kind of threw out like all the blocking she was going to give us because <laughs> what we did worked with her and yeah. it felt natural to us as yeah. actors. And she goes, "We don't have I don't have any notes for Alger Daughter Jack." And she was that like, was "Y'all are great. good to go." And yeah. I was, I was and like, "We just were like, okay, cool. Okay, she cool. Goes, I'll see you tomorrow." Like, yeah, like we just, I don't know. It's so cool that like she like likes how we like can play off each other like that. It's really nice. You know, there's there's that one part in uh, there's a part in the top of the show where our banter really ensues when uh, Ryan's character wants to go to dinner and my character <laughs> does not. And there's one part and the the quick quip of just boom, 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 boom. Just like just like in real life, we have banter like that right. too where one of us is like, hey, let's go do natural. this. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I'm like, well, how about this? I'm like, no. Even the British accents. It's just doing it. it yeah, even natural. the British accents. Even it the British accents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's just nice. Oh, yeah. And, and the accent, I love how all of us are able to do British accents so well. And, mm. you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, 
I don't. I mean, I don't know what you're gonna say. I mean, I think everyone's doing a good job. At Let's least. just say, Caleb, you're doing fantastic. Oh well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. But there are certain you, words. Yeah, there's just certain things. <laughs> um, but you like, I don't know. Even in like when we did Clue back in March, you like came out as the. Um, the I guess the chief of police. Yes. And you did like different accents or whatever. You mm. can pick up these accents and execute them so well. And I have a problem doing that. Like, I don't know. When I first started doing the British for the audition, I even talked to Francis in one of our intro to theater classes. And I was like, I cannot do this. And she was like, no, it's okay. You can. I was like, mm, I'm going to try my best. And I know. I don't know, actually, if she's secretly judging. <laughs> but, I mean, you never know. But, yes, it is a few words. It's just, like, saying things like, all these different things, like, example. Ooh, I can, we, I always mess up the word example in a British accent. Or saying, right. like, a phrase. Like, Yours um, is aunt. Aunt. Yes, aunt. I cannot say yeah. aunt. That's I the one she gets aunt. onto you the most. Yes, it is. I mean, and really, there's always that, um, there's, I feel like for anyone who has an accent they're not used to. Right. Because, you know, for me, like, some of my favorite accents are... Scottish, British, and Irish. And right. Scottish and Irish are kind of difficult on their own because the area is like so close together. Sometimes they kind of blend together. Now I can kind of separate them. But when I was younger, it was really, really difficult. And you know, when you have an accent that's not your own, that you're mimicking, there's always going to be a few words that are especially hard to get. Yeah. You know, because you know, since this play, and I love that this play is like the whole thing is just making fun of British people it's from so like fun. 150 years ago in the 1800s. It's so funny. And because, you know, when you when you go on stage and uh, let's say someone said, um, oh, no, my aunt, my aunt is sick. Do you think we can go visit them? You know, you would come and go, oh, no, my aunt is sick. Do you think we can go visit them? See, he and picks it up so well. I don't get it. <laughs> I just have trouble pronouncing. There's certain words in the script that we don't use necessarily in today's time, or at least in America we don't. So there's certain words that when we're running a scene i'll get to and i'll know getting to that point i'm like i'm gonna say this wrong i know it's gonna happen apoplexy <laughs> and i'll say it wrong <laughs> that word right apoplexy yeah. is correct but there uh i can't even say it wrong now because they, they've pounded into my head so hard now but the just the laughter from the stage managers and the director is because like We've done this hundreds of times now, and I'm still not pr pronouncing. Like, there's like four words that are just it's funny, not there. Francis and Rachel just fall on the floor laughing when you can't say it correctly, and I'm just like, it's so funny. There was one time I was super confident. I was like, oh, I, I'm gonna say this correctly. So I broke character. I turned straight to our stage manager, oh, looked no. her dead in the eyes and said it wrong and said the word <laughs> thinking i said it right this time nope nope no, i did not, did not say it right that time he did not and it just caused probably like a five minute delay in rehearsal because everybody was yeah. just dead so right. the british accent is just like a little you know it's a stepping stone getting into our characters mm -hmm. it's just a little you know <laughs> right and i think i mean and in in shows like these when you have an accent for the main thing right uh, for the main aspect of the play because you know we're making fun of British people so in order to do that effectively we have to be able to do a British accent or at, at least you know somewhat somewhat but um, I mean personally I think you guys both do an excellent job well, of appreciate British accent. thanks Caleb yeah I mean and you know so 
with that, it's so much easier when you do an accent to embrace that kind of character because it's so much different from everything you've ever done. Uh, personally, um, and I know, Will, that you've had experience with them as well. When I was with the, the BYA, the Barter Youth Academy, several years ago, I was only able to do it for three years because um, I used to live in Delaware. Oh. Um, it was a long, long way away. This is much better now in Tennessee, a lot, lot better. Um, <laughs> I don't want to leave, honestly. Like, like Tennessee's great. Well, and um, when I, I first arrived, I was uh, 13. We moved here in 2015, and I didn't start with the BYA until 2016. Right. So I had, you know, by the time I turned 14, 15, I had like two or three years and then, you know, COVID hit and then that was done. But I had at least two and a half, three years of playing with them. And see, I never really had experience doing accents in shows before until Milligan. How did you pick it up so well? Uh, Honestly, it's just because one of my favorite pastimes is mimicking characters oh. from TV shows and movies. I should have done that when I was little. <laughs> I would have been so much better off. Yeah. I just have the Australian accent. That's, <laughs> right. that's the only thing I got. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's great because when you... Um, uh, not to toot my own horn or anything, but you know when, when you see like all these movies with... Um, toot toot. Go ahead, Just go ahead. I should have known something was coming. <laughs> no, go ahead. But, um, you know, when you watch a movie, let's say, like, the main character's uh, German or the main character's British, and you see a bunch of TV shows and um, movies where these people, that's, like, the main country that they're from, and you hear all these different people talking with the same accent, but they're from a different part of the country, so you get, like, little pieces of the accent. It's sort of... Um, um, are you guys familiar with? Um, I know this is going to sound really off topic. But I'm going to try and rain. No, you're, it in. you're fine. Um, do you guys know a type of uh, Vulcan game they play in Star Trek, where you have like all these like little weird metal bars everywhere, and you have to like position them certain ways, and then when you win, it'll like change form into how it's supposed to look. I, do I not. was not a Trekkie. Mm, I, no, I was not. Sorry. Okay. Well, I don't know. So they have this game. It, it's basically a logic game. That's a whole point of it. Which of course figures because they're Vulcans. Right. But the whole game is about what's the most logical next move, and so you have to put in all these different pieces around it until you get the desired result. And so in those types of movies, you know, you hear all these different locations of the same country all these actors are from. So it's kind of like, okay, I hear how he talks because he's from, let's say, Wien, Germany. And then oh. I hear this guy and he's from Berlin. And you can copy that. Yeah, I can sort of copy it. And wow. then like the more locations that you have, with the different types of German, you can sort of mix it together. And then until you have a solid accent. Because for me, the um, until recently... The only British accent I could do effectively was Cockney. That was it. Ah. Like, I I could try to go posh, but it would always just drift into Cockney. I could never get it to stick. And now, being able to go overseas with the study abroad trip early this year and be able to actually go to England, I could hear all these people from all these different areas of London and hear their different types of accents and be able to kind of put it together. And so when you go into a show and you, let's say, um, let's say we're doing like a, a... uh, I'll, I'll do Hogan's Heroes. Have you, you guys have seen Hogan's Heroes, right? Because, yes, yeah. yeah. you know, you got, like, Colonel Clink, and he's uh, coming on, and he says, Schultz, was it? And, you know, like, he has, yeah. they have those, that, that German accent. And when you see all those types of entertainment, it gets it in your head. Oh, that's what they sound like. Cause, uh-huh. Or at least to some degree. Sometimes, you know, they're, they're making fun of how they sound. But you kind of get, like, the rough idea. It's cool how you can apply that. Like, even words that, like... Because, like, for example, like, you hear in all these, like, British TV shows or movies, like, everyone says, hello, darling, you know, all these things. Like, that's easy to 
you know apply because like mm-hmm. oh everyone says that everyone knows how that's like hello darling is said but like when it comes to words like that you've like never seen before you can apply the accent to words that like aren't usually seen in movies like right like different things like i can't think of one in the in the play like or like how to say a certain word like advantage like i've never like heard someone specifically say advantage enough to know that i can say it like advantage instead of advantage or years but like or years or years or ask or example or um aunt aunt (laughs) (laughs) exactly but you don't see that enough and it's cool how you can like see a little bit of like someone doing an accent and then like you know how to say every word in that accent now I don't get it. I definitely... But you're just good at it, Caleb. Oh, thank you. I definitely understand that from some point, because the very first time I had to do a British accent for a show, it was uh, The Real Inspector Hound, and it was with uh, BYA, Mm -hmm. Um, and I had such a strong Australian influence growing up when it comes to the accent that when I first tried to do the British accent... It was Australian. It was not not (laughs) British by any sorts of the means, and so... Luckily, I there was a, a, a few back-to-back shows that required a British accent, so I quickly adapted and, mm-hmm. and learned. But I, I do agree with that, because I was with you on that trip uh, to England, yeah. uh, and hearing it firsthand definitely has helped with this show um, when it comes to not doing Cockney, because the first thing I think about when I think of British accents is dick van dyke and mary poppins of course oh, yeah. his cockney accent yeah. which is not correct no at all <laughs> no, so that to, to combine those things uh, yeah mm-hmm. i definitely think going there extremely helped mm-hmm. um for this show right so instead of saying hello mate how you doing today you would hear oh mate how's it going yeah. exactly like yeah much more uh rough much, much more and, and, and I can't tell you the difference. Like, I mean, I I can hear the difference, obviously, but I just like I don't know all the different like types of things or how they say mm-hmm. things, like you know stuff like that. It it definitely comes down to the yeah. whole l- going and like where somebody because like here in the states, it's pretty simple for us to hear somebody and be like, oh, they're from New York or they're from the Midwest or they're from deep south or they're from California. Like, it's pretty easy for us to like identify American variants of American accents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, in that regard, it, it makes sense that, you know, we'd go to England and be like, oh, in London, they talk like this. When we're down in Portsmouth, they're a little bit you know, different or like with anything, really. And I'm sure right. the same thing would account for any place uh, in the world. Suppose, oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, because um, with the different areas, you hear about them and you read about them and you can like imitate them as well as you can, but you never really get to get the full aspect until you go there or you meet someone from there Mm -hmm. um you know let's say um you see david Tennant, right so that's such a great actor he's from scott of scotland you know uh let's say he he's like one of those doctor who like my favorite episode uh that he was in blink with the weeping angels you know he says don't blink don't even blink blink and you're dead they are fast faster than you can believe and you know so because he he's done roles where he talks in a british accent he's in so much shakespeare oh so much shakespeare and then you know he's got one where he like really expounds the scottish and it's so much fun hearing him and just seeing those differentiations of, oh, he edited his accent. So mm. you can still hear the Scottish a little bit, but you can tell that he's kind of gone to, to the British side. And honestly, Ryan, what I would recommend for you to do, if you, if you want to get um, a wider range of accents, I would recommend watching 
uh, TV shows and movies where you are constantly, um, or over time, doesn't have to be like super, super consecutively, mm-hmm. but watching shows and TV or uh, and movies that expose you to different accents, uh, people from different areas, take um, uh, Hogan's Heroes, for example, again, the guy who plays Newkirk and the guy who plays the the French guy, I forget his name. Um, I can't remember. So, but if, if you watch the episode, you know, you can you can hear their accents. Right. And then you can watch other movies and TV shows like, let's say... And, um, and, and you can see the difference. And yeah. Like, like James mm. Bond or Indiana Jones, right. Star Wars. Because Star Wars is getting so many British people. Like, I have nothing against it, but I'm just like... Honestly. It was a swift transition, you know? It's just that, like, I mean, like, binge-watch Doctor Who from start to finish, you know, by the time you get to the <laughs> new season, you'll have a pretty... <laughs> like, that British voice is going to be in your head because there's certain words mm-hmm. that i know for a fact that i say in the importance of being earnest that the only reason i know that they're pronounced that way is from watching shows like doctor who or mm-hmm. being in the room when my parents were watching downton abbey or something along those lines right my, my mom would watch downton abbey yeah it helps when coming like talking like you know when we read the play and have to like say something and and you've seen it before. It's like, oh, I think, goodness, I'm you know, obsessed with TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right. like, wow. Yeah, because it's like you, um, uh, expect, cause, uh, with, our, with our memory, we're so blessed to have the ability to look at something and our brain like takes a picture of it. Right. You know, or especially if it's like auditory. Some people remember different, uh, some people remember better differently. For some people, they remember exactly how something looks and other people remember better how it sounds yeah and then sometimes the two of them together which is more me because when i um when i'm learning a process like when i first came to the radio station and i'm learning all the stuff with uh, caleb perney to um learn how to import music and everything like that i have to hear him telling me what to do as i'm doing it that's the best way to get it. i get it to stick in my head um so you know you have all these different ways people learn and then over time, you can kind of expand it to where, you know, little by little, you can add a new accent. Right. Uh, you get you get a British down, and then you add Scottish, and then you add Irish, and then you add German until how you get however it just many clicks accents in your you brain. Want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can just pull that memory up and go, oh, that's how they talk. Speaking of memory, yeah. Um, when it comes to remembering lines, <laughs> specifically for this show so far. There's a lot of lines between me and Will. Lord Let me just say, mercy. there is a lot of lines. And it just goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. The way that I have worked my memory um, to process the lines, because right now, if you ask me to, I could probably recite all of Act 1 by memory. Just because throughout Act 1, me and Will have done like our actions and stuff or whatever. But I think through the actions of what comes next and then what happens and then then the lines just click i you mm-hmm. know i don't get how i can do that but i do and i also, we repeat it over and over again obviously so and it helps that we live together so whenever we want we to go through lines, lines just be like hey, yeah right. but um so learning my lines is like i think of like not like a picture like on the page or like not how i sound but like what i'm doing mm-hmm. helps me find out what i need to say like that's why um I, I don't know. That's why, like, for Act 1, when there's this long scene where we go back and forth and we're doing, like, all kinds of different actions and whatever, I have them now, like, implanted in my brain. And um, 
I just, you know, I run through it. Like I'll sit in my bed doing homework and I can like run through my lines. I'm like, oh, well, I stand up. I walk this way. I do that. Not that I really have planned out my actions. I just have a general idea where I am on stage and what's happening and where we are in the story. And right. so it's really cool. So it's sort of um, sort of how people sometimes may uh, memory, uh, memories, listen to me, <laughs> uh, memorize a martial arts form to music. You know how they'll how, yeah yeah and it's like it's like movement and they're like oh well this part of the song I did that yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly that's that's why sh- like you, you know, it's like the third time I've mentioned Shakespeare but that's why <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's at least stereotypical that Shakespeare though a lot of lines is fairly easy to memorize versus a different show because the way that that's written it bounces off like a song or a poem and so it right. it, it mm-hmm. sounds better to the ear and so you memorize it faster funny enough for clue i actually would sing some of my lines i just had to tune to it so really? i could memorize them yeah because like it, you know like back when we were doing it it was like so random like mm-hmm. we just like come in say something random like oh nothing or oh wow i think it was blah 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 you know all these things i would uh sing and like i would be like oh it was this person to do to do 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 something like and then, and then it goes to this da, 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 and i just do something like i'm not even kidding it was so dumb but whenever it came down to it i was like oh, i remember me goofing off and i was like oh, it goes this and then this happens and this happens in my like mini song and it would happen yes that's so. definitely the difference between <laughs> these two types of shows is i can clue last semester it was a huge cast yeah going boom 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 boom, yeah. boom and you may be standing on stage for five minutes before you interject into the scene or like it this on the other hand it's two to three characters having a conversation for like 15 minutes. for like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and so in that regard it is uh, a completely different thing to overcome because you're not just remembering oh i when they say this i randomly interject with this line no you remember okay so they mention the, going to dinner so that leads me to go to this, this line, line yeah. And with those conversations, within that conversation, if you were to, like, divide it up, you could arguably say that, like, a third of that conversation revolves around this one subject. Right. And so it, it then gets difficult because, oh, you're talking about dinner. Well, I have five different responses to five lines of yours about dinner. Yeah. So, therefore, which one of those five is right now? Mm-hmm. And it's also hard to think about, like, like, our conversations do go on so long in some of these scenes. Like, we can't get boring. Like we have to keep we have to keep the audience entertained. We have to do you know, like we can't just stand there and talk. That has been one of our troubles in our right. rehearsals, Caleb. Right, um, you have to get the energy up. Yeah, and it's hard when we just go on and on and on, and um, especially when you rehearse it over and over, over and, over and over. over. Yeah, and it sometimes it might feel like it's getting boring and tiring, but mm-hmm. you have to like keep in your mind like, hey, there are people are watching us, and we don't want them to get bored. So like, that's when Will and I would add like something like you know a crazy like blocking, and we do something really really funny mm-hmm. because um, in the sense of a conversation it's very easy when you're acting in a conversation to just be in a conversation yeah, and like and not do anything. in real life yeah. we would just sit down and have 15 minute conversation yeah. about whatever we wouldn't right. be walking around or like <laughs> yeah or algernon for instance eating i you know i wouldn't you know that's the comedy of this show it's really really funny so we have to like keep that up the whole entire time and i tell you like the first like maybe a couple times that we might run a scene um I can tell Will and I are both like fully understanding like what's happening, even though we might read it beforehand and we like we talk about because we did do that a couple times before rehearsals and now we've sort of got the storyline like set down, but we were like okay this is happening this is happening this is happening, and then we would do it and it's like well it is you know it just looks like 
what, what what's going on like it just gets confusing people get lost because it's like we blabber and blabber blabber and now we understand what's important and what's not now mm-hmm. that we've done all act one so far and um now we know how to like keep the audience engaged it's it's just it's hard to keep that in mind though when you're like doing it and especially in this kind of play but now i feel really good about how it's gone so far oh yes like i feel like really good about it and um i mean i hope the energy stays up i feel like it does <laughs> well it should especially come you know when we perform this uh, in the last weekend of october it will be much easier to uh you'll have that adrenaline from right the audience oh yeah oh, yeah because i mean there's there's nothing else like being on stage in front of a live audience because when, when you rehearse it over and over and over you know you think to yourself okay it's kind of getting boring and tiring because yeah. we're doing this over and over and over but, and, but then once you get to that point yeah where you're on stage and the curtains fall back and you're on the set you're the spotlight's on you and you have people staring at you when you get to rehearse those lines and see them react to how funny the show there's nothing else oh, like it all right and i it's think it's like, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just like, I'm here to entertain. They're watching me. This is my moment. This is my time to shine. And I just go for it. Yeah. I think one thing that's really going to help us is prior to opening, we have a a performance the day before to a sold out high school student crowd. And having that experience in front of a group that is getting this for the first, like is seeing this for the first time. Right. Not only do you get that energy, but you also iron out the kinks in you know and figure out okay, well that didn't work that well. So when it does go in front of the actual audience, mm-hmm. you already have that that test run and you're right. able to actually yeah. entertain that audience uh, and not mess hope. up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I think of that because in the first Star Wars movie, you know Obi Wan like cuts off the gangster's arm who is like bullying luke and there's like blood on the floor because <laughs> yeah. like for me i'm like um what happened to the part where lightsabers are so hot it cauterized the wound that there shouldn't be any blood you right. know in the first movie you know, they were still working out the kinks they were they're still seeing these ideas how they were unfolding and because you know they fixed it because in episode five when darth vader is like kapow and luke's hand goes flying there's no blood leaking down his arm you know he's just i was like oh i'm just gonna hide my hand in my shirt sleeve and yeah. i'm gonna pretend everything's okay i never knew the importance of being earnest could be so compared to <laughs> star, star wars, wars. <laughs> okay wait, honestly i'm gonna let you in a little secret here ryan okay with me everything's compared to star wars oh, okay. we should have started like a counter like every time like we just get a jar and every time you mention star wars just drop a quarter into <laughs> the jar and see how full it gets by the end <laughs> you're right just, like by the time the show's over you just have like 30 dollars each you know yeah so and uh professor francis saxon she wanted me to ask you guys a couple questions here on the pod or well i mean it can be podcasted but on the show and she wanted me to ask you guys about uh the process of Ernest. So, and so she wanted to know why did you guys audition and what are you learning that's different than before um oh i'll go first i guess that's okay, if you want. I think no, so. go for um it. repeat the question one more time <laughs> yeah uh so she wants to know um why you auditioned and what you're learning that's different than before okay let's start off uh why did i audition i well when i first heard that francis was going to be our new theater director theater mm-hmm. arts director I was really excited because this past year I um, have only been under 
Jamie Buxton. Oh, I love Buxton. She is the absolute best person. I love her to death. Um, but when I heard Frances was coming and she was going to do the theater arts portion and like the plays and stuff, I was like, this would be a great opportunity to learn from both professors for um, Jamie being under musical theater and growing my musical theater side of myself. And mm-hmm. then the actual play slash theater side of myself with Francis. So I thought about auditioning for both the um, Pirates of Penzance and important the importance of being earnest just to broaden out my um you know way of learning and how to um do specific types of things because um before college i had never done theater see and that's what surprised me yeah. because i never knew that like when, when you came on as a freshman mm-hmm. and you performed in charlie brown yeah i was stunned because <laughs> i was like how in the world can this guy be such a good actor he has no experience this is incredible he's yeah, a natural i had never done anything and wow yeah and so now that like i have had these opportunities and i'm like okay and now i'm, I'm i changed my major to musical theater and so now i want to do everything involved with theater so i wanted to learn from uh francis and uh, how she does things differently and mm-hmm. all kinds of different things so that's the reason i auditioned for the play also, the importance of being earnest. I was interested in it since I'd already read it, and I thought it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. And I was very interested in Algernon. Um, but what am I learning that's different? I She has a way of doing things that are like... She like talks to everyone throughout um our rehearsals like individually every so often like saying what does this mean to you or how does this you know how does this develop in your character you know all these things and i um I guess, I mean, I've only been in one play, and that was Clue, but, like, her asking those questions, like, helps me, like, grow into the character more. So now when I'm doing something else, like, for example, we were doing this play, an intro to theater. Mm -hmm. Um, She was, like, she'd ask me these questions important to being earnest, and then when I was practicing the play for intro to theater, I would ask myself those same exact questions. And then I'd apply that to my character, and I'd fully step into my character. So I guess it helps me, like... She's teaching me to apply myself more and fit mm-hmm. into different kinds of roles and what the meanings of them are and how I can apply them and how I make the audience feel, how I want them to feel. All these questions just go through my head and then I do it like I want them, you know. It's just like her questions are like a motivation for me mm-hmm. to like do better. Is that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I just feel better about myself after I go through all like this list, like, what am I talking about? What am I, what's my goal? What am I, you know, what am I talking, you know, what do I want to do? What, how do I feel? How do I act? How do I move? Am I sad? You know, all these things. It makes me like a better actor overall. And I feel like I can do that more. I mean, I can't do that perfectly, obviously, but I can do that more now with like different characters that I play, like that we're doing like these tiny little plays and intro to theater. I can fit more into those characters or even for Pirates of Penzance. When we're doing those rehearsals and I'm stepping into the sergeant role, it may, I feel more into that character now that I'm applying the stuff she's like taught me and not even like purposely taught me. All she does is ask me questions. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, use this for your character. I'm just like, or think about your character this way. And I do, and it just helps me fit into it more, right? right. Yeah. So that's another one thing that I'm learning. And um, also a big thing that I've learned is um, movement on movement, stage. Yes. She's teaching a lot of movement and um, and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that like things that look planned or that plan- are planned do not usually cooperate or like work out well because like, if you like for example like when me and will would be like when we were talking about earlier we were like yes we'd like say look at each other and we would do something and then we play off of it we didn't plan that 
It just mm-hmm. works. And then we would write it in our block. And sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes it does. And so if you just go with the flow, you figure out how your character operates more mm-hmm. and you can like build up into it. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Will? <laughs> um, I auditioned because uh, I love doing theater. Um, and I jumped at the opportunity when I heard that we had a brand new di- director stepping in uh, to fill in the shoes for uh, Richard Major. And so I was quite excited because, unlike Ryan, I have been doing this longer than I care yeah. to admit. Yeah. Uh, and it's always nice to have a new face Mm -hmm. and to work with a new face because you are going to learn new things. Oh yeah. And in in the sense of Francis, it was really, and it is, I I don't mean talking the past tense. It is (laughs) really nice because when you've been doing this, boom, 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 boom. And you're just doing production after production after production, you lose a little grip on the basics you lose a little grip on what makes this show shine right and so with francis she's kind of in cast wide not just myself she's kind of given us a base plate and has solidified us that base plate to be able like okay let's let's go back to some of these these things that you stop thinking about after so long because you think you start doing it naturally and maybe you do start doing some of the stuff naturally mm-hmm. but ultimately you stop the thing I, I've enjoyed greatly is we're not just preparing for a performance and she has stated this multiple times she is doing this to teach us right and we just happen to have a performance at the end of it right and that that's what I love about uh, uh, that's one of the things I love about her is because she always tells us I could care less what the audience thinks. My goal is to teach you guys something new that can expand your ability as an actor. She already has like a million different things. It's great. There's things that she's brought up, um, and I can't grab an example off the top of my head, but I I do know this because I do remember thinking this one time. She's mentioned things that's made me gone, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that that's a thing that I should do. Right. and then when you're just like feeding off an audience and or feeding off your partner rather sorry and you're just going mm-hmm. it you also kind of lose a little bit cuz you get so intense with the scene you you sometimes forget to turn out to the audience that extra few degrees of an angle it feels so real like you're like living it and yeah. you you sometimes you realize you know, here's an example i just thought about is projection yeah is i have been spoiled over the past however many shows i've done over the past few years uh or i've had microphones right i've so not had to worry about reaching the back of the theater because i haven't had sure to do did. that yeah i haven't had to do that for over three years now and so to be back in a setting where i actually have to reach the very back of the theater is is one of those return to the basic moments because it's like oh yeah i do need to work on my projection because I've slacked off on this for the past three years because I haven't had to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and see, and that that's one of the things I really like about Professor Francis, all the ways that she approaches us and how to improve ourselves as an actor. Because I'll I'll just be I'll I'll just be real. I was so so sad when Professor Richard Major retired. Oh, such a gentle soul. 
And oh, I mean, yeah. looks like George Lucas. No joke. Like, he really does. <laughs> he really, oh he really, really Back does. To Star Wars. Really does. <laughs> Put but, another quarter in the drawer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, I really, really liked having him. And then, you know, we, we had Brian, uh, Professor Brian Saxton come in. And he's a great guy, too. He's oh, so fun. And then... You know, I, um, Professor Major, you know, sent us an email about, like, you know, come to the theater days that they usually do when they have a couple people come in to quote unquote audition for the, for the role of, you know, the new director of theater. And I saw one guy, I, I forget, I forget his name. And then the other name was Francis Saxon. I was like, wait a minute. Wait, is that Brian? Is that Brian's wife? That has to be Brian's wife. Like, like, there's no way. Like, what are the odds of having another Saxton on campus that's not, that they're not related? There's no relation, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I mean, I don't even have to know anything about her. My my, (laughs) my vote is to have Professor Francis on here, because I was thinking, how cool would it be to have a husband-wife team? You know, like, Professor Brian creates the sets, Professor Francis directs the the play. It's so great. And you can already see that chemistry in uh, in the process right now is the the, the close ties i mean mm-hmm. the fact that they you know they, they're married they live together right so to have that dynamic is very nice because you don't have you know if as an actor if you have a question about how does this affect you know how's the set going to affect my blocking is there going to be something here that i can lean on how big is this thing i'm going to lay on like when the director is married to the the designer you will have those questions sooner than you would because communication in the world of theater is you would think it would be great but typically it's not right so you don't have to email you could just shout across the kitchen like hey what do you think of this idea like hey uh what are we doing for the couch in act one right oh well it's gonna be about this big like okay cool right and and you know and and what i loved about um getting to meet professor francis i mean right off the bat you could tell she was so nice you know and getting getting to meet her and uh i mean i got to you know talk with her a few times uh before she was hired on and i was like oh this this is going to be a really really good fit because you know as, as sad as as we were and still are that professor major had to leave Professor Francis is filling his shoes in such a wonderful way. She's incredible. She's yeah. absolutely incredible. And so, and here, and here's the thing that I, here's another thing I really love that she does. I have never had a director tell me, just do something, and see how it feels. Isn't I, that that's great. one thing I love. Yeah, I've always had people go, do this, do that, move over exactly. there, feel this emotion. Always like, exa- like do the like always like specific. Like you need to move this way or that way or this way. And she's just like, do it. What feels natural? And that's why I was like, movement is so good with her because she's like, don't think, just do it. And then it comes natural. And like, oh, that's perfect. And then we do that for the whole entire act one. There's been so many directors that I've worked with that are just like, hey. Do this. After you say that line, go there. Do this. Pick up this. And it's just pretty, like, bullet point list of mm-hmm. your blocking. And that's all fine and dandy. It does give you more time to work on how the character says lines. Right. But with the opportunity to just go. Because every time we block a scene, mm-hmm. the very first time we do the scene, we just do it without any blocking and we make our blocking and sometimes in this instance of one of ryan and i's scenes together it works out beautifully and then there was a scene yesterday that we started i think you were the i think it was the uh not yesterday the day before um my schedule doesn't exist in my head (laughs) your time is a construct but um the the scene where it's uh you me and hannah when, when we first came in we felt pretty 
we didn't feel it didn't feel right yeah right. Like we had to figure stuff out and and that's a wonderful thing about doing it that way because you have all these different angles working together instead of one singular vision because i think personally i i 100 agree with professor francis that a director for theater arts is not supposed to be a dictatorship she's supposed to be a guide yes like she says okay do what feels natural and you know she's told us several times already that she thinks that we have a lot better a lot um a lot of much better ideas than she could have alone right and so with all of us working together we can make the show better than if it was just her telling us what to do and so with all these different angles of okay what was how does this feel natural and i love how when something doesn't feel right she asks our input she she, does. she, she doesn't just tell She's us like, why do you think that fell off yeah like she doesn't just say you're standing in a line. I hate that. Don't do that. You know, move, move back. Right. I'll put you here. Put you here. She's like, why do you feel like you need to be there? Or what's your reasoning behind it? Or what do you feel like you should be doing? And exactly. It's like, That's one thing I love about Francis is the world of theater is so bombarded with pride and ego. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I've fallen victim to that, that card as well. Right. But she puts it to the side. Yeah. Because she has, she has the experience and the credentials to be that you know to sit at the very back of the theater with kind of like like a cane and just like tap on the floor when you're when you're doing something you don't like that very stereotypical old theater goer like she has the experience and the mm-hmm. credentials but she sets it all aside to build us up to build the the next the next group that will hopefully one day go you know Further into this, right. there is no emotion. There is. <laughs> oh my goodness! See, in the even, that ac- <laughs> even that accent, he can do it. I don't get it. She <laughs> also, um, it's like she's not, she's not afraid to tell you what she thinks either. She'll be yeah. like, "That's actually wrong." <laughs> it's so funny. Yes, I love how honest she is. You oh, know, she's extremely blunt. extremely honest. I mean, see, and sometimes see, you need that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know, you have those people in your life. How you know you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't, I feel like I should be doing this. Unless we like. Oh, you know, do whatever your heart tells you. Yeah. You know, I mean, when Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things, who can know it? And so actually, um, I was at a Bible camp earlier this year and I, I saw this verse in Proverbs and I never was able to understand what it meant until he pointed it out. And it was oh. so great. And the verse was, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. The verse says, um, faithful are the wounds of a friend and the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Oh, yeah. And the meaning of that verse is that an enemy will tell you what you want to hear. A friend will tell you what you need, need to, to hear. hear. Yes. Oh, yes. And she tells us what we need to hear. You know, oh, so, yeah, sometimes we're like sitting there we're like, oh, uh, I don't know if I can do this. And she'll look at you and say, you can do it. Right. I believe in you. It's exactly. like, and it's like, you got to like, do it. yeah, it's like, just do it. You know, it's like, you got to like put all that stuff to the side. It's like, and, you know, I love how relatable she is too. how she'll just. She'll give examples of her own career. Yeah. How she'll be like, oh, I did this, and it, it felt so weird. He goes, but when my director taught me how to do it this way, I was able to become such a better actor, and she wants to share that with us. It's not about, um, well, you know, I'm directing this play, and this is how I think it should be, so this is the way it's going to be. She just comes in and says, okay, how can all of us work together and make this play the best it's ever been? She right. also, like digs into our own personal emotions yeah to be like hey this character's going through this have you ever been through something similar like this you have great think of that thing that you've been through and apply it right now Mm -hmm. and that's what um, like that's what you're going after Uh, there's one scene where 
um, Ryan's character has a big secret about my character that I don't want him to tell anybody. Right. So she looked at me and said, imagine something in your life, a big secret that you are hiding from people, and imagine he knows and he's about to tell the world. And so, boom, thought of something, and then that scene's been solid since. Pretty solid. Right, because when you make it personal, that's when you can really become your character. And... You know, and sometimes we have other people who, um, you know, have have helped us become better actors. You know, like if you meet meet your heroes, you know, because uh, I know there are some actors who were, you know, they get uh, cast in a movie or a play, and they're thinking, oh, I got to do a movie with this guy. <laughs> and he's like, I've seen him do movies, and I've always wanted to do one. Because take David Tennant for instance, because. Ever since he was a kid, like the one thing he wanted to do with his life was Doctor be who. Doctor Who. Like he, that was his right. thing, like his dream. And he's arguably the most famous one of all time now. Yeah, and he got to stay for two regenerations too. Like you know, and coming back for a third. Yeah, and so you know, no spoilers. I guess oh, that could be spoilers. Oh man, like it, like it too well, unbelievable. No, but you know, see, like that was his dream, and he got to do it. And he's like, I get to be a doctor next to all these legendary people because i'm sure he idolized oh, william all hartnell those, patrick Troughton, all Tom the, yeah. oh yeah those previous doctors he idolized those guys he's like i want to be on the, i want to be in their ranks of being a doctor and he got he got to do it and sometimes you have that motivation because um let's say um i know because for ewan mcgregor the guy who played obi-wan <laughs> court in the dark court in the dark his, his uncle was a uh, he was one of the guys who played a pilot of one of the X Wings in Episode Four, so his mom's brother was the guy who played. Oh, what was it? Um, he was one of the main guys that accompanied Luke in the Death Star. It was like Biggs or one of the other guys. I have this much knowledge about Star Wars. <laughs> I have been accumulating I, this knowledge since oh I was eight God. years old. There's you not will, many things I say I can also you will never agree be with able you to upon. Stump me. <laughs> there are very little things in my life that I could go, oh, I I know a lot about that subject. And All right, Star Wars nerds, is not one right. <laughs> let's, let's get back on topic. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah, it's just it's so incredible because when you, when you see those people. I've always been like wanted to be like that guy. I've always wanted to play with this guy, and you get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Will is my guy. Oh. I've always wanted to be in a play with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was his pure mentor his freshman year of college. So yeah, he, that's he, cool. That's yeah, fun. that's incredible. And you know, and I love how um, you know this cast is just so talented too. Oh, they're awesome. I love right? everybody oh, she, in it. She, she got a good group, and luckily, you know. We're only losing one mm-hmm. in the transition to next fall. So Hannah. So the oh. majority, the majority of the cast, eight out of nine, will be here in the in the well. All nine will be in the spring, but come next fall, everybody will be here still. So right. it's it's not like she has one go with this cast. She yeah. has. She has a while with uh, this this group of actors. I she's, love this group. She's got that dream team NFL draft. <laughs> you know, she's got like yeah, all no the people. Yeah, she's got, got the best draft class oh, yeah. right now. Right, it's Peyton. Peyton. I love acting with Peyton. Oh, Peyton. Oh, she's a, wonderful. Peyton's a Peyton natural. Is awesome, and she's never done theater at all before. Really? I, yeah. I, th- I talked with her brother today. Oh, well, maybe she did. I think he said that she. Used she to did do some in stuff school. in high school, but yeah. like it wasn't big. Yeah, it wasn't. She was important. She goes, "This is like the biggest thing I've done." Right. Like she goes, "Like this is like an actual like one of the lead girls in the play." I was like, "Yeah." She goes, "It's like 
Wow, a big stepping stone from what she's done. And she's fantastic. She's a natural. We right. have a good young roster of actors. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Madeline is hysterical. Oh, my goodness. Madeline is Lady Bracknell. Oh, yes. <gasps> she is the funniest one there. You know, that, that reminds me. Professor Francis was telling me... Um, I forget. I think she played Lady Bracknell actually in the importance did of being she? Ernest. Yeah, oh my yeah. Gosh. Years, oh. She said she did the play 15 years ago. I oh, think was wow. when she was in importance of being Ernest, and she was Lady Bracknell. And she was talking. To, she was telling me that um, in our independent study class that a lot of people they have like that one thing they'll try to do to their fellow actor to make them break character or to make them do something. I do that too often. Right. Like, <laughs> see, you're like the Jason Gray of Studio C. Like your main goal is just to have everyone break character at least once. I do. I love it. Yeah. I love, it's just, it's a good test. It's a right. good test because, you know, there's things that I already know for a fact that I'm not going to do in a scene until the night of show. Right. There's like there's at least two things I'm thinking of that I do not plan on doing until the night of show because I want to see if Ryan breaks. I want to see if Madeline breaks. Oh. Right. And you know, and Professor Please. Francis, she was telling me that she had this guy. He never did it until opening night or um, the performances. And he said, every time we do this scene, I'm going to purposefully spit in your face as I say as I say your name. That's what he did. Like that was that was his thing. Like I'll step back from the mic because I don't want to like you know blow y'all's ears out. But you know she would, his he would walk on stage and he would go, Lady Bracknell, and just like say it in that way. And it, like it would just and she just had to sit there and be like, okay, he's gonna spit on my face, okay. And, and you know and of course you know, she just played it off as her character. She went and just kind of like and went on <laughs> and there she was. You know she just kept going and it was so funny and she was. She's just telling me this story. It is, oh, man. Well, luckily, there's some great. things we can do in our scenes that even if we do break, it would be in character. Honestly. Right. So it's not like, oh, if we break character, it's truly breaking character. Oh, yeah. Because you have, I mean, breaking character, like, have you have you guys ever broken character before? Once. Oh. It oh. was last semester in Clue. Last semester in Clue. It what? was the only time uh, I I've think, ever broken character. I think everyone broke character. And I think everybody broke Every, character. Every single person. Wait, it was when yes, Abigail, when Abigail, yeah. Abigail threw the rope <laughs> when and she fell, fell down. <laughs> Mrs. White. All I remember is me, Ryan, and Sam kind of just huddled, huddled together, together, dying, laughing. Trying to get our composure back. We were back. screaming. Anna is on the other side as Mrs. Scarlet right. and she is covering her mouth because she's dying laughing. Bethany was like, she Bethany kept screaming because she was trying not to laugh. So she's like, scream, 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 and Colton is just standing there with his mouth like dropped because okay. he could not keep himself. See, see, I think you know what the funny thing together. was. As much as I love to laugh, I was the only one who didn't break character. I know. I think you're yeah, so like, good because <laughs> we're like chief of police, and then you know it's like she, she throws the rope. She throws the you rope. See, like my little head dodge. Yes. I, I did a Han Solo head dodge. As um, I think that's why we. I think that was there was just a lot of contributing factors Honestly, to that. Honestly, and Abigail break. turns towards the wall and just starts dying laughing because she was not planning on falling right yeah and, and i love it like abigail herself like broke character because she threw the rope fell down <laughs> and she's just staring at like who is it um yeah she, she was just like staring at one of us who it, it looked like she was staring at me but i think she was staring at someone like directly behind me it, it might have been, um, I think it was Wadsworth. It was uh, Colton. Colton. Who was it, Colton? Yeah, Colton. And she was just staring at Colton and with this like this look on her face like, what do I do? You know, kind of thing. That was, night had so much energy prior oh, to yes. that character it break so that fun. I think that's why it was ten times more powerful oh, yeah. is because that crowd was probably the hottest crowd we had last semester. Absolutely. 
and you know it's just oh man it's uh, gotta love it gotta love it and you know guys unfortunately we are just about out of time but before we end this before we end the show i want to tell you guys that i have very much thoroughly enjoyed being able to be here and love get to talk here. to you guys for this radio spot and just be able to just talk to two legendary actors. Thanks, here. Caleb. Here. You're also thank you, legendary. Buddy. You're also legendary oh, well, as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. See, and the thing is, because I, I thought it was funny, uh, you know, doing this radio spot, and I'm also in the cast. I was like, but we don't talk about that. Like, say, I, I'm, I'm the host. I'm not supposed to put attention on myself. We don't we don't talk about Dr. Chastel. But yes, we had more time. <laughs> next time, Maybe you next need time. to talk about yourself. Maybe. We'll come in here and interview We will. <laughs> we will come and interview you. Okay. <laughs> well, next week, uh, we're going to have uh, Hannah and Peyton in here. Oh, um, wonderful. Hopefully. I think they'll be coming in here next week. Um, either Hannah and Peyton. I, we're still trying to work out the schedule, but I think it's going to be those two. Cool. And I'm so sad that Hannah's almost like graduated. She's like, she's legendary. I've known, start her crying. For, I've known her for years. Right. And I hate that I'm not going to be doing any more shows with her. Yeah. <laughs> we'll truly be, truly be losing and a theater icon. You know, she's, she's incredible. No I'm kidding. But Behind the scenes and on stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much thank for you. being Thanks, on the air Caleb with me. Uh, and, Make sure to tune in next time for the this radio spot we'll have next week. This is Behind the Curtains. I'm your host, Caleb Lehman. We will be here next week at 4 o'clock p.m. Thank you guys so much.